opinionated analysis on every KISS release. I am your host, Ryo V, and I thank you for taking the time to join me today for episode 37, Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Before we get into the album analysis, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review on iTunes, Positive reviews and subscriptions help other KISS fans to find this podcast. If you have any comments, you want to provide any feedback, you want to reach out to me for any reason and discuss any KISS-related matters or anything in general about the Psycho Circus Podcast, you can reach me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at RyoV on Twitter. That's at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. All right, before we get to today's communication, I do want to share a few housekeeping notes. It's now November, and as most listeners, I'm sure, are aware, the holidays are right around the corner. And no, this is not a commercial trying to sell you any Kissmas stuff or Kiss-related merchandise to buy yourself or your loved ones or your fellow fans um, holiday-related material. Uh, I do not have a sponsor for this podcast. But I do want to make note that with the holidays coming... Uh, scheduling may get a little dicey. Now, I'm good through uh, the week of Thanksgiving, so I have no problems as far as uh, posting new episodes through the week of Thanksgiving, which is November 23rd, I believe. Um, Maybe that Wednesday is November 22nd. Let me consult my calendar real quick. Uh, Okay, so, yep, Thanksgiving is November 22nd this year. So um, through November 21st, no problem. Episodes are going to post, as expected, um, every Wednesday morning. After Thanksgiving, I reserve the right to get a little wonky until the new year. And the reason for that is twofold. One, it's the holiday season. So from Thanksgiving to Christmas, there's all this extra expectations and things that need to be done, decorating and holiday parties and holiday shopping and gift giving and New Year's celebration and on and on and on and on. So it's a fun time of year, but it's a very, very busy time of year, um, especially for me. And then I take that last week of the year off from my regular job. And the reason for that is because it's also end-of-the-year hecticness at my 9-to-5 daily job. So unfortunately, no one has offered to pay me the big bucks to exclusively blog and exclusively do the Psycho Circus podcast. Anybody wants to pay me to do just that, I'm happy to listen to any and all offers. Until then... I have to maintain this blog schedule around my otherwise hectic life, and part of that involves end-of-the-year hecticness at my 9-to-5 job. So, um, 
basically from now until December, you know, until Christmas and even even that week that I'm quote unquote off, I usually end up working uh, because it's it's year end deadlines. Right. And everybody wants all their stuff ready to go on January 1st, which means uh, we push real hard through the end of the year during the busiest time of year. So from now, really, it started in October, but now the heavy crunch time hits as of today. So. From now until the end of the year, I am going to be swamped. I am going to do my best to try and hit every Wednesday. Um, I don't believe I've missed a Wednesday yet. I have taken a scheduled Wednesday off for Labor Day, and I am most likely going to take the... um, the day after Christmas, there w- there will be no post. Even if I'm up to date, I'm just going to say there will be no post then. And most likely, there will be no post on January 2nd. Those two weeks will we'll just go dark. We'll enjoy the end of the year. And then we'll come back strong on January 9th with the second year, year two of the Psycho Circus podcast. It's, it's amazing. Um, 37 episodes in, plus a lot of bonus episodes. And we're almost here at the end of the year. So uh, just just wanted to keep that in mind um, after Thanksgiving. If posts aren't up, I apologize. It's life getting in the way of life. Again, I'm going to try and do everything I can. I love, absolutely love doing this podcast. Um, and I love the feedback I've been getting from you guys regarding this podcast. It means a lot to me that you're listening. And it means a lot to me that the podcast means so much to you. So thank you, everyone, for listening and for enjoying and for um, tweeting and for emailing and for being part of the community. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and um, I'm going to try my best to hit the mark for every Wednesday in December, but just wanted to give a fair heads up. I may miss that. As always, you can go back and check out some older episodes, you know, maybe pick your favorites. Maybe send me a list of your five favorite episodes. podcast episodes uh, to date so far, obviously, um, for like a year-end treat or something. Anyway, uh, so that's the housekeeping notes. I wanted to get those out of the way and um, just let you know that's that's what may be happening uh, coming up through the month of December. And I'm sure I'll do a reminder again for the um, post that comes out before Thanksgiving. So thanks for bearing with me. And again, when the new year hits, you know, we'll be back. No issues. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. All right. Today's communication. Today's communication comes from recent things that I have read online regarding the upcoming farewell tour and there is good news to start Paul has officially stated that the set list for the farewell tour is going to increase from the what he called the uh, standard current standard 16 songs to 25 songs for this final tour so look I'm not going to say Paul listened to this podcast because I'm sure he did not but you know, if you've listened to the last few episodes, you know this is something I was concerned about. How many songs are we going to get on this farewell tour? Well, the good news is out, and we are going to get 25 songs for the final tour. So that that one statement made me hopeful and made me happy um, like I haven't been in a while. So with 25 songs to perform, the set lists can really open up a lot more and a larger variety of songs can be included. Now, does that mean we're getting uh, All Night or Saint and Sinner? Probably not. But it does open the door for songs like Say Yeah, 
domino and even hell or hallelujah to be performed and, and while i'll admit that hell or hallelujah it isn't my favorite track from monster i do want to see the later albums represented on this tour i mean after all it's a farewell tour it's a goodbye to everything kiss has done and so the song cho- chosen should reflect that it should reflect the entire body of work that kiss has done um, and, you know, maybe that means we can get out of this world. Tommy Thayer's out of this world instead of Tommy Thayer doing Shock Me. You know, that I think that would be nice. And you can do out of this world instead of Hell or Hallelujah. You still represented Monster. Uh, you still represented the later releases from Kiss. You know, e- everything's covered there. So with, with 25 songs in potential on the docket... I just it opens up a lot more doors. So that makes me excited and that that makes me very happy. Now Paul has also stated that he still has not ruled out special guests showing up for some of these shows. And you know, seeing as how Ace and Bruce, Bruce Kulick performed with Kiss on the latest Kiss Cruise on the opening night, I mean anything is possible. Now I won't hold my breath um, you know, I won't expect to see Ace show up at all the shows. Um, you know, maybe he'll be at one or two. I know if you've been reading the Kiss News lately, we all know what Ace said. I want to get paid. Tommy Thayer's got to be out of there. I should be wearing the makeup. All those negative things. And that's fine. I, I get that. Um, and that's between them. So maybe Ace shows up. Maybe he doesn't. But, you know, I'm, I'm still not ruling out, like, Bruce Kulick showing up. Um, you know, Peter Chris showing up to sing a song at a show or two. So it, the possibilities are there. And Paul is still saying that it, the possibilities are still open. It would be really nice to see a cool special guest show up at one of the shows that I'm attending, but it would be cool to see a special guest show up at any of the shows, to be honest with you. Thank, thanks to the power of the internet and YouTube, I can I can watch those shows right after they happen. Like next week, I imagine there'll be plenty of footage posted from the Kiss Cruise, and I plan to sit down um, and enjoy that. You know, I wasn't able to attend the Kiss Cruise, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy the sets and, and see what it was like to be on the kiss cruise um so there is that and then you know lastly before before we move on i haven't ruled out the possibility of bruce kulik opening for this tour or at least for the north american leg of this tour now i know he's in grand funk railroad right now but their current tour schedule only has a couple of overlapping dates during that time. So it's possible that Bruce could open this show. He, he opened the Kiss Cruise. Um, you know, he, he, Bruce Kulik was out there for the Kiss Cruise. It could be the Kulik brothers. Maybe Bruce and Bob opened the Kiss show. Um, you know, and I think if that were going to happen, Kiss probably would have made some sort of announcement already. So it's probably not going to happen. But a fan can dream. And I would love to hear Bruce's 80s Kiss hits, B-sides, and demos followed by an unbelievable kiss performance to me that would be the ultimate send-off basically anything that's not going to get included in that 25 song set list bruce and bob can play it ahead of time you know that's where you can get king of the mountain that's where you can get uh all night that's where you can get sword and stone which they played on the kiss cruise check out those set lists if you haven't yet they're they're absolutely amazing if you're a diehard kiss fan um or even if you're a, a uh a regular kiss fan you know, the regular Kiss fans remember the 80s. They remember the good tunes that were out there. Um, so check out those set lists if you, if you have the, 
chance. Uh, it's definitely worth looking. And then, um, you know, like I said, probably another week or so, you'll be able to see multiple um, full performances from the Kiss Cruise, from the most recent Kiss Cruise. And while you're there, check out past Kiss Cruises. It's fun. It's fun to do. Again, I was not able to afford any of the Kiss Cruises, but man, were they fun to watch on YouTube. And I'm still debating if I'll be covering them on a future future podcast episodes down the road. But that's that's well, well down the road. That's probably 2020 material. Um, okay, last thing in today's communication. I did I did want to touch on tickets. Tickets go that uh, went on sale for the upcoming farewell tour. As usual, Ticketmaster was a complete mess, and if you follow me on Twitter, you saw some of my rants on that and the ability to get tickets for this tour, um, specifically for the Madison Square Garden show. That's the one I was honed in on. Now, I got tickets for Philadelphia. I surprised my best, one of my best buddies, who got me into KISS back in high school. Um, you know, I, I was into KISS, but he really pushed me over the top. He was a huge KISS fan. We bonded over that, and I became a, a huger, a bigger, a real diehard KISS fan, um, you know, through hanging with him and, and being able to talk KISS with him. So as a surprise to him, I, I bought tickets for us to go to the Philly show. And I got those through pre-sale. No issues whatsoever. You want to know why? Ticketmaster wasn't involved. I bought those directly from the Wells Fargo Center, which is the arena in Philly, where KISS will be performing their farewell tour um, down in Philadelphia. Tickets were easy peasy, and I got them no issues. I I was flabbergasted by how simple it was to get those tickets, and I was thankful that I was able to get those tickets so easily. Um, For on sale day, though, originally there were going to be five of us going, and pre-sale limits you to four tickets only, so I had to buy five tickets for the MSG show. Uh, So I said, okay, I'm going to have to get those on the day they go on sale. And then the day before they go on sale, two guys back out on me. And I said, I really wish you could have let me know this sooner because I would have bought those pre-sale tickets and that would have been done. Now, I'm sure I would have hit issues trying to get pre-sale tickets through uh, KISS pre-sale tickets at Madison Square Garden, just like I hit issues when I try to get Dave Matthews Band tickets. Anyway, um, my point is, if if you're going to back out, let the guy know sooner than the day before the tickets go on sale. Uh, Having said that, I was able to score tickets for MSG, although it was not easy. What a pain. You go in, you you hit the button to go into it, and then automatically Ticketmaster says, okay, we've put you in this queue. They're trying this new thing, which, which I tweeted this as well. That was not the day to try something new, Ticketmaster. Don't try it when KISS tickets go on sale. Try it somewhere else, please. Um, so you go into this queue and then you're waiting and it tells you how many people are in line in front of you, which in theory, that's, that's a good idea. I understand what they're trying to do in practice. Once again, they failed. Um, so you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. A good 10 minutes went by before, you know, I was next in line in the queue line, the online line. (laughs) to purchase tickets and by now I'm thinking oh great all the great seats are gone and sure enough when I went in to get tickets now the thousand dollar jobbers were still available and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on a previous episode I don't mind that KISS is charging a thousand dollars for front row seats I want them to get the money and not the scalpers and I think it'll push out um, it'll push out scalpers from buying those particular tickets so that's a good thing 
But the other seats, you know, I wanted seats in the hundreds, which weren't insanely overly priced. I think for Madison Square Garden in the hundreds, they were like 140 each. And yeah, that's a lot of money. And, and you know, I won't pay that for uh, a sealed copy of Alive 2. But this is the KISS farewell tour. This is Madison Square Garden. I'm going with my uncle and my cousin who have never seen KISS before. I want to get a good seat, right? I want to get a good seat where I'm going to really be able to see the stage and enjoy the entire ambiance. And of course, you click on those tickets and you get a message from Ticketmaster says, sorry, those tickets are no longer available. Well, why are you showing them to me then if they're no longer available? Or you get the dreaded, oh, somebody else beat you to those tickets. And yet those same seats showed up on StubHub and showed up on Ticketmaster resale verified garbage, whatever that thing is, um, at 10 times the price. So, Honestly, nothing's changed for the most part with Ticketmaster. And I shouldn't be surprised, right? I, sh- I, sh- I should not have expected anything else um, that, that this was going to be an issue. Um, and, of course, you know, the Madison Square Garden show, that's the big show. Everybody wants to see Kiss in their home hometown, uh, you know, where it all began. So those are going to be harder tickets to get. I get all of that. Um, that haven't been said. I got tickets for Philly. I got tickets for New York City. So I'm in for two shows. A friend of mine is saying that they might go to the Columbus show. And if they do, they're going they're going to get me a ticket. And then I'm going to go with them um, to the Columbus show. So that's, that's a good possibility. Um, nothing etched in stone yet. Nothing guaranteed. But I may be doing the Columbus show. That's three. And then there's an outside chance I might go with somebody to the Connecticut show. Although that one might be a little harder now because it looks like tickets are selling out for that show really, really fast. And that's the last point I'll make before we get into the album analysis. Um, tickets for these shows, certain shows are selling very well, very fast, close to sold out, maybe even sold out. And then tickets for other shows are not selling at all. So I don't know what to make of that other than, hey, good for me if I want to travel. Uh, I got potential opportunities, right? And I don't know if it's because it's it's in, in the early part of the year when it's still kind of cold out and it's not a summer tour. I don't know what it is. Um, but certain shows, tickets are just not selling well. And... I may do a whole episode on tickets and ticket sales and set lists for the farewell tour and blah, blah, blah. That's a, a possibility. If I do that, I want to snag a special guest to do that with me. I have a couple guys in mind. Got to work all that out. So anyway, thank you for sticking through me. This is a very lengthy uh, today's communication. And I usually try to jump in and you know get right to what we're here for, which is to discuss the album analysis. But there's a lot of, a lot of buzz, a lot of news, a lot of action around KISS and KISS, um, you know, going on this farewell tour. And, and like, they were on Jimmy Fallon performing Love Gun, you know, because Paul thinks that's the greatest song ever written. And if you haven't watched that, YouTube it. KISS, Jimmy Fallon, Love Gun, boom, it'll come right up. It, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Got me excited. I am looking forward to this farewell tour. Um, you know, so I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about. And 
you know, these intros get a little longer due to that. So thanks for thanks for hanging in there and uh, and listening to me rant and ramble. And now let's get to the album analysis. So the whole reason we are here for episode 37 of the Psycho Circus podcast is to discuss the album Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. And this album was released on November 15th, 1988 on Mercury Records. And the band members for this album are as follows. Paul Stanley, guitar and vocals. Gene Simmons, bass, guitar and vocals. Eric Carr, drums and vocals. Bruce Kulick, lead guitar. Ace Freely, lead guitar. Peter Chris, drums. Vinnie Vincent, lead guitar. Mark St. John, lead guitar and then additional musicians dick wagner did the acoustic guitar on beth bob ezrin did the piano on beth phil ashley played the keyboards on let's put the x in sex and you make me rock hard and the album was produced by various artists with paul or various producers rather with paul stanley producing the two new songs so obviously this is a compilation record that's why you have the multiple band members they played on the respective songs from the albums they were included on and um, the producers from those particular tracks uh, from those particular albums excuse me are the ones who produced um get production credit for the songs that were released on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, and Paul produced the two new songs. So, with that out of the way, let's get to the track listing. And the track listing for this Hits record is as follows. Let's put the X in sex... Followed by "You Make Me Rock Hard." Those are the first. Those are the first two songs. The two brand new songs, never released before, uh, Smashes, Trashes, and Hits came out. "Love Gun" remix is next, followed by "Detroit Rock City" remix, "I Love It Loud" remix, "Deuce" remix, "Lick It Up," "Heaven's on Fire," "Calling Doctor Love" remix, "Strutter." Remix, Beth with Eric Carr on vocals, Tears Are Falling, I Was Made for Loving You, Rock and Roll All Night, Remix, and the album wraps up with Shout It Out Loud, Remix. Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits is the third compilation album that Kiss released, but it's only the second that was released in the USA. It was also the first Kiss album that I personally purchased on the day of its release, which is something I was very proud of back then. Buying the record the day it was released was was making a statement that you are a true Kiss fan. You got your copy on the first official day that anyone could get their copy. You know, these days with streaming so widely available, release days, they're really, they're less exciting. But in 1988, I had to wait an entire school day, and then I had to walk down to the video store that sold cassette tapes in my town just to get my copy of this record. And I had to save up $15 because the cassettes were more expensive at that local video store. Um, they didn't go on sale like they did at Sam Goody where I could have got it for $7.99. I had to get it for um, $14.99. I had to buy it at the video store because I had no way to get to the mall. My parents weren't driving me to the mall to buy a Kiss cassette. Are you out of your mind? So no, I had to go on the power of my own two feet. I had to save up extra money just so I could buy it on release day. 
Um, and anyone who knows me by now, either through this podcast or through the blog, they know how hard it was for me to save any money, let alone 15 smackers. So my love of Kiss knows no limits. Not only did I save it, I spent it. Uh, on that Kiss cassette tape, and that was that was a very hard thing for me to do, but I wanted it on release day. So after waiting all day to get through my classes at school, I went home, I ate a snack, and then I headed down to the local video store via the power of my own two feet. And I got my copy of this album, and it made me oh so happy. I went home, I popped it into my little single speaker boombox, and I let it rip. I remember sitting there on my bed, listening to the album, and consuming the liner notes. Reading the lyrics, reading the credits, and just just having an amazing time listening to these new Kiss songs and the classic Kiss songs coming out from the same cassette tape. Um, and it wasn't even one that I had made myself. This wasn't a Kiss Favorites. This was a Kiss Hits record handpicked by the band themselves. This was picked by the experts. Uh, although the experts could have done a little bit of a better job, but we'll get into that as this episode progresses. Um, and I understand. I understand they were limited to 13 classic songs, and I understand that Rock and Roll All Night and Detroit Rock City were pretty much demanded, so that really only left 11 slots. And and one of those was used for, for the, in my opinion, the grand decision to have Eric Carr sing lead vocals on Beth, and there'll be more on that later in this episode as well. So now, now you're really you're down to ten slots left to fill. So comparatively speaking, I guess the selections were pretty good. But I do have similar gripes here that I had for Double Platinum and Killers. You know, first off, where the heck is Shock Me? Now you could argue that maybe Kiss didn't want to include Peter and Ace lead vocal songs, and and that would make sense. Hence the remake of Beth with Eric on vocals. But I, I still think that's that's hooey. The album was meant to celebrate the entire history of the band, and Shock Me is a big part of that history. And and I'm laughing internally because I'm thinking earlier I said Tommy shouldn't play Shock Me. He should play Out of This World for the Farewell Tour. But Shock Me is a big part of the Kiss history, so couldn't you make the argument that Tommy should play Shock Me? Here I am arguing with myself. Anyway, um, you know, Shock Me is, like I said, a big part of that history. Um, So, you know, that should have been included. And then there's nothing from Hotter Than Hell. That was odd to see. I mean, it's it's not the greatest album in history, but it's got some stellar tracks, um, especially Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Why, why wasn't that on here? Uh, music from The Elder and Unmasked were completely ignored, and I get that, so nothing really was missed there. You know, I, I would have liked to see them, but I understand on a hits record, those two albums did not do well. You're not going to get them on a hits record. Um, and only one song from Creatures of the Night? Only one from Lick It Up? Only one from Animalize? Only one from Asylum? And zero from the most recent release? Reason to Live or Crazy Nights should have definitely been on this record. They both made the UK release somehow. Why not the US release? Although they did have to they did have to pull Deuce from the UK release, so 
I would just say include one of the two Crazy Night songs and, and keep Deuce. Um, and if you look up the UK track list, you'll see what I mean, because Crazy Nights and Reason to Live are on the UK version of Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Deuce is not. All in all, you know, the selections, they were pretty solid when, when you considered what the band had to work with and, and how limited the space was. Now, I know when the album was first released, there were no complaints at all about the songs, because... You know, we were too busy enjoying the hell out of the two new songs and enjoying Eric Carr's vocals on Beth. But here we are years later. We've had a chance to um, you know, reflect and, in retrospect, look at things a little bit of a, a different way. And so I can see making the argument that you know certain songs should have been on the album. But again, at the time, I understand why why they were not. Alright, let's get into the album cover for Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. And and that album cover is pretty terrible. <laughs> for the third compilation album in the band's history, and the second to be released in the U.S., you would think that they would have tried, um, excuse me, they would have tied a little more history to the cover, and perhaps showed some type of collage of the years gone by. Instead, Kiss went with a new photo shoot of the current four members standing in front of a sea of hands. Eric is off to the far left, making some weird pose with a hand on his knee and, and we're wearing an odd shirt. Paul is standing, standing slightly in front of him and to Eric's left, showing off his arms and, and making what I can only perceive to be an X with his hands. How stupid does that look? Come on! Anyone who says that is cool needs to have their head examined. Uh, that is so... It's just... It's dumb. It's so dumb. Gene is next to Paul looking somber and I guess what is supposed to be his version of menacing or creepy. Um, he certainly does not look like the demon in this shoe. And of course, he's still wearing that same leather jacket that he had on in all the Crazy Nights videos. I mean, geez, did this guy ever get new clothes? And then off to the right is Bruce Kulik. One hand is holding his shirt like he's he's pulling it in front of him and looking up at something that isn't there. Uh, perhaps he was looking for the space ace, worried that he was going to come back and take Bruce's gig. <laughs> no need to worry, Bruce. That That's not going to happen for another eight years. Now, the background is a dark burgundy color that gets lighter from the top as it works its way down to the sea of hands. Uh, the KISS logo is prominent on the upper left-hand corner of the cover, and the album title is next to that, written in a funky font that is supposed to look cool. It, it doesn't. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's not a very good album cover. So, better luck next time, guys. Alright, let's get into the song breakdown. And the first song on the album is Let's Put the X in Sex. And this was written by Paul Stanley and Desmond Child, and it was sung by Paul Stanley. And this is the first of two magnificent new songs released on this record, um, and they were given the first two positions, rightfully so. Let's Put the X in Sex is a brilliant composition and a wonderful song. 
Even though the lyrics are the cliched version that dominate a lot of Kiss songs, it's okay. This is still a terrific song and one that I enjoy immensely. It was certainly the better of the two new songs that were added to this album. And this is also a song that the band should think about putting in the set list for the farewell tour. I know. I know it's Pipe Dream, but it should still be considered, especially since we know the set list is open to 25 songs. Perhaps we can slip this one in. Um, X and Sex might be a little different if it was released today. Um, you know, instead of getting a letter with a sexy picture, Paul might have gotten a text with a sexy picture. So maybe he would have called the song Let's Put the X in Sext. <laughs> or maybe Let's Put the Sex in Text. Anyway, we uh, <laughs> we know he would have gotten uh, a letter in this day and age because no one does that anymore. Uh, there are plenty of innuendos in this song and a lot of well-crafted verses. Uh, this is the most creative Paul has been with his songwriting in a while, and it was nice to see. And of course, as a teen boy, I knew all the lyrics to this song, and I would sing them at the top of my lungs every chance that I got, especially at the climax where Paul sings that he saw those black lace panties and he knew that it was you. Man, that's every schoolboy's dream. I always wanted a hot woman to come knocking on my door in just a trench coat and a panties. Alas, it, it, it never did happen for me, but I wasn't Paul Stanley. Um, I had heard rumors that this song was a leftover from the Crazy Night Sessions, but then I heard rumors that counteracted those, that statement, um, and there were claims that it was a brand new composition meant to be included on the next album, uh, but put on the hits package instead, which is good, because I don't know if this song would have fit on Hot in the Shade. You know, that, that Hot in the Shade took Big Kiss in an entirely different direction. Um, so I don't, I don't think X and Sex would have fit uh, on that record. Uh, they kind of left these types of songs behind. So it, it was nice that X and Sex was able to get its heyday here um, as the first track on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Next up is You Make Me Rock Hard, and this was written by Paul Stanley, Desmond Child, and Diane Warren, and it was sung by Paul Stanley. Now, this song never really got the love it deserved. I, I think it was always overshadowed by Let's Put the X in Sex, which was the lead single from the record, and it was the first track. Um, but this song was also released as a single, but I just think it was too overshadowed by its predecessor. You know, personally, I like this song a lot. Is it better than X and Sex? No. But it's a great song, and it's one of the finest that Kiss did in the 80s. It's a lot better than several tracks that appeared on the non-makeup albums. And there's plenty of innuendos here, too. You know, it's another sex-tinged song that doesn't really hide what it's about, but you can still say that it's loosely a double entendre. Rock hard because I'm rocking out, or rock hard because, you know, those black lace panties and all. <laughs> Let's rock hard, baby, all night. Now, yes, the lyrics are quite pedestrian, um, but as we do most times, the band is forgiven for that. Uh, because the song the song is just so darn good. You know, a lot of fun and enjoyment pours out of this song, and it's a great second song to include on the hits record. Uh, this was also released as a single, and it also got a video, but it was it was not as well received as the first single. 
It also hasn't gotten any attention since 1988. Now, I don't believe the song was ever performed live, and I know it was included. It wasn't included on any of the Kissology releases or any other compilations. So, you know, you make me rock hard. Has just, it just kind of faded into the background. Now, would would that make this a deep cut? Or would this be considered more of a forgotten classic? Uh, Lost classics are are what I think they call them these days. Whatever it's called, Rock Hard is a great song. And if you haven't listened to it in a while, you know, you should should punch it up and give it a few spins. You, You might be happy to remember how great a tune this really is. All right, next up is Love Gun, the remix version, written by Paul Stanley, sung by Paul Stanley, and hey, it's Paul Stanley's favorite song. Now, I jest, of course, but Paul does seem to think that this song is Kiss's Stairway to Heaven, and it's not, and I don't even know that I would have included it for this compilation. Shock Me would have been a much better choice. And look, Love Gun is not a terrible song, but it's not as great as Paul makes it out to be. And it certainly gets included on too many KISS releases and too many KISS tours. Although, I I guess when this album was released, Love Gun hadn't really had a chance to be too overplayed, and fans were clamoring for some connection to the good old days of KISS and their makeup. So, maybe we created our own monster with this one. Perhaps it's the fans' fault, after all. Shame on us. Uh, Next up is Detroit Rock City Remix, and this was written by Paul Stanley and Bob Ezrin and sung by Paul Stanley. Uh, This is a remixed version of a classic Kiss song. Now, the remix was kind of necessary because the intro that's found on Destroyer is, is lengthy, and it it really it could really throw off the context of the song on a compilation record. You know, it's best to just get to the tune, get to the guitars, and start playing the music, which is exactly what Kiss did here. And then the ending is stripped of the car crash that leads into King of the Nighttime World on Destroyer, and, and that's okay. The abrupt end is more appropriate here, and it, it fits better on this record. You know, if, if I'm not listening to Destroyer in its entirety then this is the version of Detroit Rock City that I want to hear. If I'm listening to Destroyer, I want the full intro-outro version that bleeds into King of the Nighttime World. So, a good choice here to, to cut off, cut out the intro and outro and just give you, give you the heart of the song. Next up is I Love It Loud, remix, uh, written by Gene Simmons and Vinnie Vincent. This was sung by Gene Simmons. And I I was slightly disappointed with this version of I Love It Loud because they didn't bring the vocals back up after the fade-out like they did on the original. Now, maybe it was a timing thing. Maybe it was the desire to only have that version on the original release. Whatever the case, I missed having those vocals come back up. But it was nice to see this classic included on Smashes, um, the first compilation album that it could have been included on. This song has gone on to be a Kiss staple, and it's another one that I'm getting a little tired of, but I think that's because the band plays it too fast in concert, and they don't really make the song explode the way it's supposed to. You know, here on Smashes, Trashes, and Hits, however, it's the same song that it was on Creatures, just with the ending chopped off. Once it fades out, the song is over. And while I missed the return with the song coming back up, it's it's really not the end of the world when the song ends with with the fade. 
Next up is Deuce, a remix version written by Gene Simmons and sung by Gene Simmons. And and look, Deuce is just, it's classic Kiss. It makes sense that this would be included in the hits package. It's a strong Gene Simmons-led beauty. Uh, Deuce is one amazing tune, and it deserves its spot on this record. Now, the album lists this as a remix, but the nuances in the difference must be extremely minute because honestly I couldn't tell the difference between this version of the song and the Kiss's uh, Kiss's debut album of the song Um, and the double platinum version of the song for that matter Deuce is Deuce is Deuce now it could be my ears it could be my age but no matter Deuce still sounds grand on this record as grand as it sounded on Kiss's uh, first release as grand as it sounded on Double Platinum and it's a wonderful addition to Smash's thrashes and hits Deuce is Deuce is Deuce but that's good because Deuce is magnificent next up is Lick It Up and this was written by Paul Stanley and Vinnie Vincent and it's sung by Paul Stanley. And in 1988, when this album came out, Lick It Up was still still a relatively new and young song. Now, this song would go on to become a staple and grow and, and almost become overplayed. But in 1988, it was still new. It was still fascinating. So it was a solid choice to add to Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. And, and while my bias says that songs like A Million to One or And On the Eighth Day should be on this record, neither of those songs was a hit. So clearly the hit song from the album of the same name is the one that belongs on the record. Now this is the second of two Vinnie Vincent involved contributions, and Considering he only worked with the band for two albums at the time that this record was released, that that's rather impressive. You know, if you have 15 slots and, and Vinny got two of them, that's, that's pretty good. You know, but I think we've come to realize as we move through this podcast that the Vinny years really were some of the best in Kiss's history. You know, they were well-crafted songs with punch. They, they were songs just the way we like it, so... I understand Vinny's songs being included because they were spectacular. Next up is Heavens on Fire. And this was written by Paul Stanley and Desmond Child and sung by Paul Stanley. And this is another modern classic at the time this record was released. And it's another song... Um, where an argument could be made for something different, uh, maybe Thrills in the Night, or you know some other song that could have been included from, from Animal Eyes. But Heavens on Fire was the hit from the record. So, of course, it's going to be on the hits collection. Now, what I like about this song, what I like about the song on this particular album, Smash, Stress, and Hits, is its placement. You know, we get two newer songs in Lick It Up and Heaven's On Fire back to back, and then they're going to be followed by classic Kiss in Calling Dr. Dr. Love and Strutter. So there's good balance, there's good symmetry. Heaven's on Fire is a great Kiss tune, and it deserves to be on the first compilation album that it had an opportunity to be on. Um, Like Lick It Up, this song was still fledgling when the record was released, but Heavens on Fire would go on to become one of the biggest staples in the Kiss catalog. Now, I guarantee that this song will be in the Farewell Tour set list. Um, You know, I don't see them leaving this one out. And While I have grown a little tired of this song, it's still a massive hit, and it's still a lot of fun to sing along to, so 
you can almost take it to the bank that Heavens on Fire will be in the Farewell Tour set list. Next up is Calling Dr. Love, a remix version uh, written by Gene Simmons and sung by Gene Simmons. And you need my love, baby, oh so bad. You're not the only one I ever had. They call me Dr. Love. Classic Kiss, classic Gene, great addition. Really not much more to say about this song that we haven't already said on previous episodes. The remix version is slightly different than the original, but the differences are very subtle. And, you know, I already told my story. I already told the story about my screensaver with these songs lyrics that got me in trouble in corporate America. Um, You know, I can't talk about the song. I can't sing along to the song and not think about that. It, It still cracks me up to this day. Um, but like I said, I already discussed that. If you want to hear that story, go to the rock and roll over episode of the psycho circus podcast and you can listen to that. Uh, you know, kiss, kiss always gets me in trouble, but it's always worth it. (laughs) You know, that's, that's why I love this freaking band. Uh, Strutter is up next, a remix version. And this was written by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons and sung by Paul Stanley. And this is another classic that pretty much had to be included on the record. Well, maybe not. I mean, I think I think there are other songs that could have been placed here instead. Shock Me would be one. Let Me Go Rock and Roll would have been another. Going Blind would have been a third. It's interesting to see which songs get the gift of extended life and, and which songs get ignored and, and almost pushed into obscurity and oblivion. I mean, I mean, think about it. If if Strutter had not been included on this album, I think it still would have remained a beloved Kiss song that gets way too much attention. And don't get me wrong, Strutter's a great Kiss song. I love Strutter. I just think that sometimes other songs should have an opportunity to share the spotlight. And and that brings me to this point. What if Strutter wasn't on this album, but Going Blind was? Would that have made Going Blind a much more popular song throughout the rest of the 80s and early 90s until it was performed during the Unplugged concert? Would Going Blind have gotten much more notoriety just from being included on one additional album, on one hits album? That's hard to say, but a lot of times these collection albums, they make you go back and remember the songs that are included, and you find yourself listening to these songs with fresh ears saying either, oh yeah, I remember this one, I love this song, or... You say the opposite. You say, what the heck? When's the last time I heard this song? I need to listen to this one more often. Or, you know, maybe you say, what the heck? Why is this song on here? It sucks. But, again, it's it's very hard to find a Kiss song that, that I would say sucks. Peter Chris's solo album, not included. Um, and I think... I think that's, you know, that's what gives these songs, some of these songs get additional life because they've been included on hits records. And I think some of these songs get raised up higher because they were included on hits records. They're not necessarily better. Like, Strutter's not necessarily better than Going Blind. It just got more traction. It got more life. So it's more recognized. Um, Going Blind would get its resurgence with, you know, with the Unplugged era, which made a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, you could pick other songs from that time period and say, what if they had put that song 
on the Hits album? Would that song be the one we all recognize and love, right? What if they decided to push Almost Human to the front of the to the forefront and and start including it on a bunch of Hits records? Would that make it a better song? Would that make it a more known song? Hard to say, but uh, you know these are. <laughs> These are the things that I think about and that uh, keep me up at night when I'm not thinking about work. All right, next up is Bath. This was written by Peter Chris, Stan Penridge, and Bob Ezrin, and this version was sung by Eric Carr. Now, this was the first time Eric Carr got to do lead vocals on a Kiss record. He had been singing in concert for years, but this remake of Beth was the first time that we as fans got to hear him on a studio album. And for some of us, it was the first time we got to hear his lead vocals at all. Not all of us got to go to a Kiss concert back in the day. And while Peter Chris was quite upset with the band's decision to have Eric recut his signature song, I, I gotta say, I like it a lot with Eric on vocals. Now, I understand why they did it. But when this came out, man, did it create a lot of controversy. Peter was livid. And I remember reading several articles in magazines like Hip Parader and Metal Edge about how angry Peter was. He even stated, and I'm paraphrasing from memory of 30 years ago, so please don't hold me to every word. But if I recall correctly, he said that if they had chosen any other song for Eric to sing, Peter would have been cool with it, um, and he even would have encouraged it. But Beth was his hit. It was his baby. And look, we've discussed Peter's ego. Uh, we've discussed his need to feel that he gave major contributions to Kiss. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, and we've also discussed how Beth was his one hit. It was the one thing that he had to hang over Gene and Paul. He could say, look here, I crafted a top 10 hit, where's yours? And he would be right. Now, it may have only been one, you know, it may have been a lightning in the bottle kind of thing, but Peter had the biggest hit for Kiss. You can't deny it, and you can't take that away, and yet with Eric Carr and vocals, Peter felt Kiss was trying to take it away. Even Eric Carr was hesitant to do this song. He told Gene and Paul that he was unsure about recording a version of Beth because he was worried. He was worried there was going to be backlash from the fans. But, you know, Paul and Gene kind of pushed him into doing it anyway. They pushed him forward. Uh, and I think I think part of it was, was Paul and Gene being catty. We're going to be honest. You know, they, they both stated the song was property of Kiss and not property of Peter Chris. Um, and they could have anyone sing it. And they thought it was nice for Eric to have an opportunity to share his vocals and blah, 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 blah. All that sounds well and good. But then have Eric sing Hard Luck Woman. So I kind of tend to lean with Peter on this one. This was kind of a screw you to him. But all of that having been said... Eric's version of Beth is terrific. And and look, in the end, it's a win for the fans. It gives us two beautiful versions to enjoy. And if you haven't listened to Eric Carr's version, Eric Carr's vocals um, on Beth in a while, pull it out. Pull out Smash's Drash and Hits. Give it a couple spins. Play the original. Give that a couple spins. You'll see what I'm saying. They're both beautiful in their own way. And I don't think Eric's version takes away from Peter's at all. Again, I get what Peter was saying, and I do think it was a screw you. But I'm in the end, I'm ultimately glad 
that we have Eric's version of Beth to enjoy. Next up is Tears Are Falling. And this was written by Paul Stanley and sung by Paul Stanley. And look, good song. It's one of the better ones from Asylum. This song, Who Wants to Be Lonely or Uh All Night, all would have been great choices to include. So Tears Are Falling is a fine representation from that record. You know, Asylum as a whole really needs to get more recognition and more love. Um, I think a lot of fans skip right past that album for whatever reason, which, that's a real shame. It's an excellent record with a lot of hit songs. And I'm just glad that at least one of those hit songs was added to Smash's Thrashes and Hits. Next up is I Was Made for Loving You, written by Paul Stanley, Vinnie Poncia, and Desmond Child, and sung by Paul Stanley. And Honestly, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. I, I could have done without this song. I understand why it's on the record. The same reason it'll be included on a live three when we get to that record. Um, the same reason it's going to be played on the farewell tour. It was a hit for the band, and it was Kiss's version of disco. And everyone remember what we call that? Bonus Psycho Circus points about to be awarded. Yes, we call it Kisco. So yeah, it was going to be included on the first available compilation record released by the band um, after the song came out. I get all of that. Now, were I the producer, I probably would have included this song as well. And, you know, most fans were probably happy that this song was on the record. But as you know, if you listen to the Dynasty episode, I'm, I'm not a fan of this song at all. So it's hard for me to say, yay, I was made for loving you is on another Kiss album. Yay. I don't, I don't think I'll ever say that. Um, you know, again, it's not, a, it's not a suck song. Like I said, it's hard to find a Kiss song that sucks, but it's not one of my favorites. And honestly, I probably skip right past this song when I play Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, because I just, I don't need to hear it again. It's, not a good song. All right, next up is Rock and Roll All Night, and this is written by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons and sung by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And again, this song shows up on a Kiss album. Rock and Roll All Night and Love Gun are currently vying for the top spot of most appearances on Kiss albums. And maybe one day I'll check that out for real to see which song wins, you know. Uh, no need to go into any additional detail here. As I've said before, and I'll say again on many future episodes, because this song is going to come up on many future episodes, um, you know, th- there's nothing else to say. I've said all there is to say about this song probably three appearances ago. And I know it's going to show up on more releases. Um, you know, and I will say this, though. I do like the fact that this was not the last song on Smash's Thrashes and Hits. Because it could have been. They could have ended with it. Um, so at least someone was crafty enough to move this song out of the closing spot. I think it would have been even better if it was just sandwiched in the middle. But hey, let's not get too greedy. At least it's not the last song. The last song is Shouted Out Loud. And this was written by Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, and Bob Ezrin. And it was sung by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Um, So in the closing spot, Shouted Out Loud. Great song. 
Great way to end the record. Now, of course, I'm biased. I love Destroyer. I think that every song on Destroyer should be included on every Greatest Hits package. Kiss does. Um, you know, any song from Destroyer, uh, I feel, is as grand as Paul feels Love Gun is, if that makes sense. Um, but look, Shout It Out Loud is a solid, hard-rocking song, and it's a good way to close out the modern Kiss compilation record. It's it's not a predictable closer, and it's classic Kiss. And since we opened with brand new songs, we should close with the classics. So good balancing there. Um, a great way to, you know, a, a great way to, to end the record. You rock and roll all night, shout it out loud. So you start with two brand new ones, you end with two classics. Really good way to, to wrap things up. And And speaking of wrapping up, thank you, as always, thank you for listening. Um, if you got a comment you want to share, you want to reach out to me about anything, you can email me, psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Um, please be sure to go to iTunes or Podcatcher or wherever you get your podcasts um, and leave a review. Every review helps. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. And, of course, spread the word. Tell your friends. you got friends who are KISS fans. You think they'd enjoy this podcast. Let them know. Let them know about the Psycho Circus podcast. Um, you can check out my written works, rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. That's rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. That's where all my written works are. Um, in the world of rock and roll, not just Kiss, but it covers a, a variety of um, different types of music. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at RyoV on Twitter. Um, so that's that's going to do it for this particular episode. Um, thank you again. Thanks for hanging in there. And uh, thanks, thanks for listening to this episode on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Be sure to tune in next time where we will cover the album Shakara, another compilation release, um, but this one with a special twist. It was a limited edition release that was never released anywhere except Japan. So tune in next time and we will cover that album. And until then, the carnival has just begun. Yeah.